We are in between sermon series, and I told you guys last week, I was like, we're going to do like an informal sermon series where we just kind of reaffirm things that are, um, that are, we are dedicated to as a church family, um, which is not something that um, we do all year round, but at the beginning of the year that makes me want to do that. <laughs> um, and so... Last, year, last week, talking about um, our dedication to allowing the Word of God to be authoritative in our lives. And this week, um, if, it, uh, if you haven't looked, we're a multi-ethnic family. <laughs> That's a dedication. Um, it's not something that we are shy about, and it's not something that was by accident either, right? Like we can say the Holy Spirit planned it, yes, but we also were part of that plan. Like there were some intentional things that were done so that we can look the way we are, so that we can enjoy the robustness of our um, ethnic diversity here in our church family. Uh, and so this is a week where we're talking about that. Some of you are like, well, of course that makes sense. Tomorrow's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yes, it is. It wasn't on purpose until Friday when I remembered. <laughs> I was like, hey, that makes sense. All right, thank you, Holy Ghost. So <laughs> um, the title of the sermon is From Many, One. We'll be in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, which kind of is the foundation for our whole conversation. Um, and then... A primary portion of scripture for us to kind of dive in will be Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Um, I want to be candid. Um, if this is the first time you've heard me preach about multi-ethnic and race and all of that, listen, we talk about race and ethnicity here like talking about anything else that's normal in life because you were born with one. So we get to speak about it candidly. It's okay. I know in the world that we have been raised in, talking about race, saying I'm black and you're white and or Asian or, or Blasian and or any other mixture of all the other things <laughs> might be taboo and uncomfortable in some settings, but we're family. And so we're going to speak candidly about it. And a part of why we speak candidly about it is because also Scripture actually speaks pretty candidly about it. And so if the Bible speaks candidly about it, we can too. Um, except Song of Solomon, I'll let y'all figure that out on your own. All right. <laughs> then again, we did do a sermon out of Song of Solomon here a few years ago. Um, and I jokingly said, if I was white, my face would be red. But <laughs> um, thank you, Lord, for melanin. All right. So <laughs> we, uh, I want to show you my favorite picture of unison. It is not uncommon. Like, it's not something that I've never shown before. Like, even when we were praying with Sam and Lily and the rest of the Avilas, Christine brought this out. This was taken, um, Christine took this some years ago, um, right after a rehearsal, because she had a presentation for work. <laughs> Um, but this are, these are hands of members of our worship team from probably like 2017. And it is just my favorite picture of us. It really is. Um, I know it's not all of us, but it, I feel like it represents us really well. Um, I love looking at this picture. Candace um, uh, got it kind of printed on some canvas um, and it just hangs in um, our office. 
Uh, and I, I, every single time I, I look at it, I, I thank God for the fact that we get to look like that. Our hands get to. That's not something that is, as I said before, on mistake. Um, it's not something that just happened, though it would be nice to say it did. Um, but it reminds me of all of the prayer and conversations and intentionality. It also reminds me that there have been intentional efforts to never have a picture look like that. <laughs> right? There, has been, there have been intentional efforts for the church to never have a picture that looks like that. And it requires intentional effort for this to be more than just a picture, but for this to be our lives. And it would be okay, it would be solid if we decided we're going to be a multi-ethnic church because this part of Grand Rapids is multi-ethnic. That would make sense. It would be okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It would be okay if we decided, hey, our society is changing and less driven by the homogeneous communities that we may have been accustomed to in the past, and we decide that we need to be intentional about being multi-ethnic. That would be okay. But honestly, for us to be able to live this well as believers, it has to be more than just a goal because it's politically correct. It has to be more than just a goal because that is what's happening in society around us. And we're all now grappling with racial equity. And some of you, even in your offices, you have a diversity you know, champion, somebody who is the director of diversity in your group, the one person of color in the whole office. Some of you, that is what that is, and that is not going to work for the church. Our theology, the way in which we understand creator God, has to speak to this or it will have absolutely no steam whatsoever. We will get tired, we will be irritated by by the challenge that's there, and we will sink back into what Martin Luther King Jr. said, 11 o'clock is the most segregated time in Americans in the, in the week for America. We would easily sink back into that if our theology doesn't speak to it. So this sermon is about highlighting how our theology at Unison speaks to this. I want to go to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. I've We've said this portion of scripture several times. John has been taken into heaven and he sees so many things. One of the things that John sees is a vast crowd. He says here, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too many great to count from every nation and every tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. It's only one verse. It's not the only place in Scripture. It's actually not even the only place in Revelation where you see that language. Every nation and tribe and people and language. 
Why would that be important? Because gathered before the throne of God in the end is this vast crowd of humans that cannot be counted that has such a wide range of diversity that John made it incredibly clear. These people are not the same people. (laughs) If it was ever confusing, it's not just that they got different skin colors, okay, fam. They are from every tribe, every language. You got folks who literally standing next to one another and their mother tongue is not the same. (laughs) Every people, every nation, A curious thing in Scripture, Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, it's just kind of like something that is curious to me. Jesus has been confronted by the Sadducees, and these Sadducees don't actually believe in a resurrection, but they're like, okay, Jesus, I got you. In the resurrection, there's a man who has been married and his first wife dies, and then he gets married six more times. All of them die. Who's going to be his wife in resurrection? Jesus is like, listen, for when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like angels in heaven. And ultimately, Jesus is pointing to the fact that, like, you're asking a question that doesn't really even matter. <laughs> it's not a thing. But the curious thing that I want to point out is, It's up for question whether or not we'll be married in heaven, but it's not up for question whether or not I'll be black. (laughs) That's the whole foundation of why we think the way we think. Jesus talks about a whole lot of things being different when we get to heaven. There's no more pain, no more dying. I'm not even like, he's like, listen, ain't nobody even going to be giving and receiving in marriage. And John sees me as a black dude. He sees you as Irish, of Irish descent. He sees you as biracial. He sees you as your, your first language as Spanish and or whatever it is. John doesn't see you married, but he does see you whatever ethnicity you are. And that is something that should cause us to scratch our heads because of how often we diminish ethnicity in the American church. It's like, yeah, we're all one, and then that means it's like none of it really matters. No, that's not what John said. John said it matters. It matters. It matters so much that I'm going to make sure that you understand by four different ways that there are different kinds of people gathered around the throne of God. I want us to see that our ethnicity is an eternal part of who we are. My job is not, my marital status is not, but my ethnicity for some reason is. And that should be the curious question. Why in the world would my ethnicity matter so much that you make it eternal? We need to have some clarifying things for a moment because the words nationality and race and ethnicity can be a little bit challenging, right? Nationality simply points to the actual, the boundaries of the country in which you are from. Some of us may have been born in one country, 
but are citizens of the United States. The nationality is the country from which you were born. Your citizenship may be here in the United States. Those of us who were born in the United States, our nationality and our citizenship is of the same. You can see that on a passport, right? Race is something that you made up. <laughs> we as in human beings, we needed a way to categorize people because of devious situations happening back in the 1400s. We could go into a whole sermon about that, but we're not. I just want to give us the same understanding. It has to do with physical characteristics. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter who your mama or your daddy was. If you look this way, then that's what you are. <laughs> that's legitimately how that was decided. When after emancipation and they were trying to figure out American citizenship. There were really only two races in the United States. That's a part of how in racial equity conversations, there's so much um, attention given to black and white because our first understanding of race in the United States, all that was, was just black and white. Either you was colored or you was white. That's it. Later on, we added some more things to the U.S. Census. But Literally, you could be from Honduras. That's a person who has skin that doesn't look like they came from Europe, so they're colored. <laughs> they're black. There were, in our, in our history, there were several Asians that actually, especially coming over from Japan, who like petitioned to have white status <laughs> because it, like, it was more political than it was anything else. It was like, we just gone. It was like seven white men in the room. It's like, you kind of look white. Yep, sounds good. <laughs> it's all about physical characteristics. That's why I say we made it up. Every single country on this planet has people from a wide range of hues. There's no place where there's only one color of humans. But we needed a way of categorizing and separating people, so we came up with race. There's a history about it. You can read it on, on the, the internet. Ethnicity is not something that's made up. It is something that is, it has to do with um, your people group. It has to do with culture. It's less about physical characteristics, and with whom do you share heritage? Yes, an ancestor, a common ancestor matters. But more so than a common ancestor mattering, with whom do you find that you have commonality as it relates to your life experiences? As well as with whom do you find commonality when not just how you see yourself, but how the world sees you too? So in that way, specifically in places like the United States and like South Africa and Australia where racism was super hot, Physical characteristics eventually became ethnicities. That's why I might be considered African-American. A physical characteristic has become an ethnicity for me. And that's also why many of us black folks have, like, we, we know what black culture is. It's like, yeah, that's just black. That's just black folks. We do that. <laughs> Not because... It was born into us like melanin, 
But because of how race has played out in the United States, it has made a similar pattern of experiences that we all share because of race in the United States. That's where all of those lines are. It gets blurry, but that's what it is, right? Um, This sermon isn't just about race, though. It's primarily about the theology of how we navigate our multi-ethnic life. We just have to share some definitions. I want to take you to Ephesians. Because this is where we start kind of pulling back why this even matters to us. Scripture doesn't talk about race in the way that we do because it didn't exist back then. Some of us get our whole arms up and we're in a tissy because we can't because Jesus wasn't white (laughs) Jesus wasn't white Jesus wasn't black Jesus was like there was that's not how this works we care about race because we were born in a place and we live in a place where race is significant but in scripture they did not care (laughs) that was not a concern of theirs they weren't trying to figure out if Jesus was really important because of the color of his skin it really didn't matter The way in which ethnicity was defined in Scripture had to do with religion and geography, where you lived and who you worshipped. That's how they set set people apart, especially as it relates to Scripture. So when any time in Scripture where Paul specifically is talking about the fact that these people who used to be separated are now together, you'll notice none of them say that they were black and they were white and they were Asian and they were Native American and now they're all one because Paul doesn't care about that. Paul says Jew and Gentile worshiping the God of creation and not worshiping the God of creation because that's how they defined ethnicity in that time period. You could have people who look exactly the same, have completely different ethnicities because it was about religion and geography. You can have people who have absolutely nothing in common in the way in which they look. Worship the same God living in the same area, they're Jews. (laughs) Worshiping the same gods, living in the same area, they're Greek. They're whatever. So when Paul starts speaking about this in chapter 2 of Ephesians, he's talking about that discord between those religious groups that are ethnic groups in that time. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles, people groups, into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He says this similar thing in Galatians. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you all one in Christ. That's not to say those demographics don't matter. It is to say that those demographics no longer separate you. Why would he say that you're no longer male or female? Some of you are like, we got to figure that out. It's just a quick aside. Sin separated the authority that men and women share in the earth. Jesus brought that back into a shared authority. 
That's what that means. It doesn't, it's not to say that your male or your female characteristics don't matter. Yes, they matter. But there's no longer the way in which we define value and authority. Your culture still matters. It's just no longer the thing in which we define authority and or value. Paul continues in Ephesians, he did this by ending the system of law with its, with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other has been put to death. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. I just read the same thing twice, my bad. (laughs) He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Yes, I get that Paul is talking about Jews and Gentiles. But what I want us to see is that Paul was talking primarily about reconciliation. There was separation and God has made them one in Christ. That is applicable to us too. I know that that's, it's not the exact same. I get that. But that's why we had that whole conversation about the differences between nationalities and race and ethnicity, because I need us to see that there is a common thread that has happened in these two groups in Jews and Gentiles and us as a church family. There has been hostility in our racial groups in the United States. Hostility. And I know that we like to think that that hostility has just been white on everything else, but let's just be a real family and say that hostility has like permeated all of it. There's different Hispanic groups that don't like each other. There's dark-skinned black folks and light-skinned black folks that don't particularly care for one another. (laughs) Listen, it's okay. Hostility that has separated us from being able to see ourselves as one group of people, but God, Jesus, yes, came to save your soul, but also came to make you one with your neighbor. (laughs) Jesus came, yes, to reconcile you to the Father, but also came to give you the capacity for seeing yourself in the person next to you whose nose is shaped different than yours. (laughs) It's not just about your ticket into heaven. This is not something that's just about what happens after we die. Eternity doesn't begin at your last breath. Eternity began at your first. So if eternity began at your first, you're already before the throne of God standing next to somebody who doesn't talk like you, who doesn't smell like you, who doesn't eat the same things you eat, who doesn't listen to the same music. They listen in the country in heaven, Jesus. I know they are. 
but I just want to be in the gospel section. <laughs> Kayla's like, give me the country section. <laughs> give me the gospel section, okay? That's all I want, okay? I want to be next to Tyja Bitt and Kirk Franklin. <laughs> Either way, we're all there. Either way, we're all there. We have no reason to be ashamed or shy about the cultures in which we have because they are represented in the end. Why would that matter, though? I told you that's the question. Why would that matter? So for, I'm not going to take you back to a whole other portion of Scripture, but we're going to have a conversation for a moment. When God created humanity, God created humanity in his likeness. Yes? That's not something that's new for us. It wasn't just the first person that was created in his likeness. We affirm that all the time when we call each other image bearers. We, call, we talk about a part of your value is because you share in part the image of God. I, want, I love saying that you share in part the image of God. You don't have it by yourself. That's not how this works. A part of why that was just the first person is because the genetic material in Adam has been spread to all of us. Thus, we share the likeness of God. That likeness of God had nothing to do with the facial features. <laughs> that likeness of God had nothing to do with height or color or hair texture. That likeness of God had absolutely nothing to do with what a person would see on the outside and had everything to do with the, the culture of God that was blown into him. Right? Right? In that way, the creator's likeness is shared among people of the earth. And it shows up in our redeemed cultures. Here's what I mean by that. There's some things that we've come from in our cultures that are not yet redeemed. <laughs> I get that. But, there are, but that just when I become redeemed by Christ, that doesn't mean my culture goes away. <laughs> That doesn't mean the way, that doesn't mean that I don't like certain foods anymore. That doesn't mean that I don't have a same understanding of time. Absolutely not. It actually becomes this beautiful tapestry of who God actually is scattered among the people of the earth. I see God more clearly when there are different kinds of people around. You're like, wait a minute. Where does that come from? How do we understand that? There's, scripture talks about us being one, but in no way talks about us being the same. Yes. Yes. And a part of the way in which we can most clearly see that is on the day of Pentecost when, when the disciples catch the Holy Spirit and they start, start speaking in the native languages of people around them. If it was about them becoming the same, the people would have been changed. The people would have understood the same language. But that's not something that's important to God. 
What's important to God is that the difference be represented and be boldly represented in the body of Christ. And that's why they heard the same message in their native tongues. I want the difference there. I want the diversity there. If God only wanted one kind of people, he would have changed this a long time ago. I want the difference there because creation needs to see me. Rocks, animals, trees, birds, they need to see me. And they only see me clearly, not when just people stop sinning, when, when people who had hostility because of their difference are living in peace. That's when I'm seen clearly. In that way, it is not beneficial for them to actually become the same people. <laughs> I need them to be different. I need them to be different because I need, it to, I need people to walk away from them scratching their head. Like, how does that work? How does it work for a six foot five, 37 year old pastor to do intimate ministry in life with a 60 plus short Irish woman? How does that work? That's when we can clearly point to Jesus breaking down the wall of hostility. We can't actually point to Jesus if all of us are not, we have no hostility among us. We can point to our tolerance of our personality difference. There's a lot of different personalities in here, yes. We can point, and we can point to patience, but we cannot point to Jesus in the same way if there was no historic hostility that now has been redeemed. There is something about that that points specifically to Jesus and highlights, highlights the cultural value of creator. Why would I say that is important? We are a foretaste of redeemed humanity. At some point, all of humanity will have this. It will have this. At some point, all of humanity will experience the ability to sit in the same room with all kinds of different people and feel good about it. And here's what I mean by feel good about it. Not just, oh, nice to see you, sister. Can't remember your name. Well, I don't even want to work to pronounce it correctly, but <laughs> no. Feel good about it is I get to walk in with no anxiety about the fact that I'm different. I routinely take notice in West Michigan of the moments when I'm the only person of color in the room. Just being honest. It's not something that I try to do. It just is. <laughs> when I walk into a Jimmy John's for the free smells, <laughs> and I look around and ain't nobody even behind the counter, brown, <laughs> I'm aware. When I walk into a room of somewhere between 75 to 50 people and there's one person that kind of remotely could be of my culture, I make my way to them quickly. <laughs> just to dap it up real quick. What up, bro? <laughs> just want to let you know I saw you in the room. That's it. <laughs> We're the only ones, so let's not cut up. <laughs> okay. Let's <laughs> 
Listen. Okay? I have anxiety about it, not because I'm uncomfortable with who I am. I have anxiety because I've been taught that the world is uncomfortable with who I am. And their discomfort is something that I need to manage. But not in the church. That is not how it's supposed to be among brothers and sisters of Christ. Among sisters and brothers of Christ, I'm supposed to actually be able to breathe. Yeah, you look different. Yeah, your hair color is different. Yeah, your hair texture is different. Yeah, you listen to different kinds of music, but you love Jesus? Oh, bet. We good. We good. I'm gold. I'm gold. And I'm about to work real hard in common with you other than Jesus. Like we got Jesus. That's the foundation. Now let me work real hard to find something. You have prescription glasses too? Great. <laughs> we are one. Right? I'm going to work real hard because, I, because this is who we are. We're family. Our primary, primary citizenship is no longer connected to our common ancestor. Our primary citizenship or primary ethnicity is no longer connected to where I was born and where my, what my driver's license says. My primary citizenship has nothing to do with my physical characteristics and has everything to do with the blood of Christ. That's my common ancestor with you. That's our common ancestor. And we can speak the same language when we say we love Jesus, even if we don't speak the same language. We are a foretaste of a redeemed humanity. We're supposed to be showing the rest of the world how to do this. That's why the multi-ethnic church thing is important. Not because Grand Rapids in this part of Grand Rapids is multi-ethnic. Yes, that's awesome. That actually just makes it possible. <laughs> There's parts of this city where this is not possible. You cannot do this in Hudsonville. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay for us to know that. Nobody's even asking that of Hudsonville. But what we do need to ask of every person that calls themselves a follower of Christ is that we understand that we are redeemed humanity. And regardless of where we are and what our church body looks like, I have to be able to see myself in someone who looks different than me because Christ is in me. If Christ is in me, I should be able to find me in you. And if I can't find me in you, I need to question my allegiance. That's not about arrogance. It's not about finding me. It's about finding the thing that we have together, Christ. And if I'm allowing Christ to completely envelop all that I am, I should be able to find something with you that says we are connected. And if I'm not even trying to look, then that means I'm more black than Christian. I'm not saying get rid of that. I'm not saying I want to be black. <laughs> I'm not saying get rid of it. But if I'm unwilling to look for that in my Asian sister, I'm more black than Christian. And that's something that I need to go back and talk to the Lord about. If I cannot find something about this person whom we share salvation with, to be at peace with me and to speak and desire peace for them. 
my culture, my ethnicity, my nationality, my physical characteristics, my preferences may not have risen above Christ in my life, but they have risen above the person whom Christ has told me to love. And both are idolatry. Both. It's not just one or the other. Anything that causes me to be disobedient to that command to love my neighbor as myself, you may as well just call it idolatry. Which means that all of us, not some of us, not just white folks in the room, all of us have work to do to dismantle the ungodly part of the allegiance to my culture. I want to be clear. Not everything is ungodly. So don't, I'm not trying to make us all the same. I'm not, that's not it. Then we're not, we're not living scripture that way either. <laughs> but I am saying, if I care more about where I've come from than where I'm going, I need to take that back and allow the Lord to sanctify that in me. <clears throat> We live in tension. That is what it is to be a foretaste is because we're not all the way there yet. We live in the what is and what will be. What is, is hostility still that exists between ethnicities. It still exists. When the pandemic broke out, most of my Asian friends were being oppressed in some form or fashion. During the, when 9-11 happened, anybody who looked like they were from the Middle East <laughs> was being oppressed. And we as a church did absolutely, we have like, we've done absolutely nothing <laughs> in those moments. It's like, well, they shouldn't look like that then. <laughs> Where are we when, when it comes to Police brutality. I'm not not saying that we all have to be anti-police, but I am saying there's clearly some inequity and oppression happening as it relates to physical characteristics. If we are a redeemed humanity, where are we? Where are we? Where are we with our voting? Where are we with our letters to the commissioner? Where are we with our dot, dot, dot? There is a place between hating all police and being an active participant in the redemption of the earth. (laughs) And that, like, I want us to be on that side, redeemed. We're supposed to speak about this because we constantly live in the what is and what will be. And all the other various ways in which hostility among different people groups is evident, we can speak. Oh, wait a minute. There's a solve for that. Jesus. There's a solve for that. One of my favorite things about our church family, um, uh, there was a couple that was here um, who, um, biracial couple, and um, when they first started coming, they talked about this, um, the fact that 
when they're with black family, they have to choose to be black. And when they're with white family, they choose to be white, culturally speaking, right? You can't change your skin color, but culturally, you know, those of us who know how to code switch, you use code switch. And when they are out in the kind of rest of the world, depending upon the circumstance, they choose which one best fits. And there's only two places in their life where they can just fully be who they are. And that was at home and now at church. That has stuck with me for all of, for, for the years, from the, from the moment that they shared that, that has stuck with me. There is something about what it is for us to do this in authenticity that has a theology that roots why we do it, that allows us all to actually be able to live freely. Some of us get to see that more robustly because we live in a multi-ethnic life all the time, and some of us actually have to take a little bit of a risk to step into that freedom because that hostility has made it uncomfortable for you. Not here. Not to say that we're perfect, but the hostility part is the part that's gone. Yeah. The closer you get to that, the more you trip over yourself and you say weird things. And you do weird things. Like ignore the bubble. Some of us want like minority groups. We got a culture. We got a bubble. Don't stand too close. <laughs> okay. And then we have to step into that discomfort a little bit and actually lovingly help one another grow in our understanding here. I'm not telling us all to be the diversity champion of, the, of unison, but I am saying that if we're going to actually live this out well, if we're actually going to be redeemed earth and say that we're one, that means we also have to be willing to step into some uncomfortable places for each other's good. And those uncomfortable places for one another's good isn't because it's just the right thing to do. It is practice for the rest of the world that's not redeemed yet. This is the place where we practice. Because I have unbelieving neighbors who cannot figure out. I have unbelieving cousins who cannot figure it out. And I can show them. Yeah, God does, like, racism ain't no thing for God. I know it's a thing for us, but it's not a thing for God. How do I know? Oh, yeah. Because of these authentic and intimate relationships that are not just surface level and not because we have to. Nope. We found our common ancestor in Jesus. And we are intentionally working on our oneness as a community. And while I might not share that with everyone in this city, I want to share it with y'all. It's just okay for us to say. I might not show that, share that with everybody, but I want to, not just want to, need to. I need to. The rest of the church who has not gotten to this place where we're willing to, or they're willing to do this work, they, got to, they will have to catch up when we get to Revelation 7-9. We're 
we can have, we could be like the beginning of the bell curve, right? Like, <laughs> I'll say one more thing and then we can head out. Um, something that I've been talking about with um, just our denomination, um, we're part of the Wesleyan denomination. Um, I've been talking about this widely. Another reason for our intentionality in this, those of us who are millennials and older, we might have been raised in a reality where the church was separated. Those of us who are younger generations, consistently as I talk to younger folks about this, a reality in which your religion is separated by race will not make sense. It's irrelevant and it, and it actually stains our witness as believers to continue in that because it highlights our idolatry. So if we in any way hope to be influential as a body of Christ, as generations shift in influence and power, we actually have to understand how to do this. Or our witness as a church continues to diminish because we can just look at them like there's really nothing different about them except they just all sing in a room together. <laughs> this is something that's a hallmark of the church for all of eternity. I celebrate your ethnicity, whatever it is. I may not understand every ins and out of it, but I celebrate it. It in some way points to creator God. And I want to look for creator God in your ethnicity, which means I want to acknowledge it and joyfully embrace what it is. I want that for me too. I want that for us. I want to pray. So, Father, <clears throat> we do not know all the things <laughs> about how eternity works and even how all the ways ethnicity and culture works. It's okay for us to be honest about that. We don't know everything about it, but we do know this. You have shown us that it goes with us through eternity. So that means that, Lord, we want to have a, an appropriate value and we want to honor you and how we even allow you to be the Lord of that. Teach us. We need words, God. We also need courage, Holy Spirit. Guide us. When we are offended, Lord, or when we offend, Lord, also give us humility so that we can maintain our oneness with one another. When we don't understand, give us an appropriate level of vulnerability to ask and to seek to find you in one another. Thank you that you have torn down the wall of hostility between us. You have done that. And because you have done that, God, we get to live in the fruit of the peace that comes from you, Jesus.
So we breathe that in today. We breathe in your peace. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.